to Spilling the Tea on Travel with your hosts, Sean Gillard and Sabrina Liu. In this podcast, we will explore travel with international education focus, give practical advice to the University of South Alabama community, have discussions with industry experts, and discover new cultures all over a cup of tea from a different destination. So get your cups ready and enjoy the show. So thank you for joining us for episode seven of Spilling the Tea on Travel. What an idea to have an SIR at South. So IDEA, I-D-E-A, and SIR are two acronyms that we will get into later in the segment. But first, Let's get into some tea. One of our guests on our segment today, Dr. Yamanku, mentioned the moringa tea, which is popular in Benin, West Africa. Sabrina, give us a little bit of insight about moringa tea. What does the research tell us? So um, I tried to do some research uh, in our libraries, databases, but it's very interesting. Uh, I haven't found a lot of relevant research on uh, Moringa tea, but I did find some info from Encyclopedia. Encyclopedia? WebMD. <laughs> The encyclopedia, like books that are on your shelves or Wikipedia that you can go to on the internet because one is a little more robust than the other. (laughs) Okay, so it says it's Wikipedia. Wikipedia. Okay, so what does Wikipedia tell us about Moringa tea? Um, So basically, it's native to the Indian subcontinent. And I didn't know that before. Like It's native to India and Bangladesh. And then the fruit is edible and also it can also be used to um, purify water which is fascinating. Wow that is extremely fascinating and you know we were talking to our guest Dr. Yamaku and he was telling us that Moringa's popularity really grew in West Africa a few years ago and like you mentioned it was um, kind of common to the Indian subcontinent so they thought that this mm-hmm. was a, this amazing you know tea from outside and he said that he talked to his mom and his mom said look in the front yard there's a moringa tree right there so it also grows in other regions so can you tell mm-hmm. us a little bit about like the climates that are popular for this type of tea to grow in yeah it, it can be grown in um, tropical or subtropical areas so uh, I've never tried it before and I would really like like to um, try it maybe oh but I heard you uh, you have experience living in Africa yes and I have experience with moringa tea as well so I did live in West Africa mm-hmm. for a number of years in Ghana and in Togo and the moringa tea um, was extremely popular there. Mm. There were lots of sellers who would sell it in different forms, different supplements and powder form, as well as like the regular tea form and pill form. And it's really been touted as something that is um, very good for your health, for digestion. It can even cure diseases. But really, I think one of my favorite ways to have tried moringa tea was eating it as a sauce. You can use the leaves and ground it into a sauce. And Dr. Yamaku also mentioned that that was one of the ways that they enjoy um, um, ingesting moringa. But I'm, I'm very, you know, 
interesting to know if there was any research about the health benefits because I think one thing you know that made moringa so popular in West Africa was that it was touted for so many health benefits being rich in vitamins and being able to even cure diseases like diabetes do you know what the research says about that um there's still more risk to be done in that area because there's still some debate about it. Um, some uh, research has said, well, Moringa does have uh, nutrition benefits, but um, it also cautions taking in moderation because it has pregnancy concerns. Uh, pregnant women should avoid taking uh, Moringa at all. So it, the real message here is in moderation and to consult your physician if you're going to yes, be using it for any type of for, for health reasons um, that's that's really interesting but you know a nice cup of moringa can be enjoyed you know when just plain by mm -hmm. itself or you can add you know some sweetener to it like honey or anything like that mm. so I think if we ever get a chance to get back to um, West Africa which maybe we will we'll see later in the show what we have to say about that we'll have to definitely bring back some moringa tea that would be great it does sound very tasty and i was wondering about what the flavor would be like you know it's kind of i would just link it like maybe like a like a green tea something it's kind of earthy but it doesn't really have a strong flavor in and of itself but it does um have a nice rich green color so you definitely feel like you're getting something that's good for your body for sure wow, i can't wait <laughs> So let's get into our segment. So we're talking about Moringa tea because it comes from a region of, well, it comes from different places, but one of our guests is from a region of the world where it's quite popular in West Africa. We have an SIR here, a, a SIR, um, and we also have um, this conversation that we want to have about um, ideas. So do you, do you know about IDEA and SIR, like what those acronyms mean? Um, I think SIR means Scholar in Residence. Yes. I'm not familiar with IDEA's grant. Okay, well, IDEA is a grant uh, um, that is sponsored by the Department of State, and it stands for Increase and Diversify Education Abroad. And so um, IDEA grantees, the University of South Alabama was one of 44 institutions um, in the United States to receive an IDEA grant to yeah. help um, diversify our study abroad programs. And we'll talk a little bit more about that later on after this segment. But um, SIR, like you mentioned, means Scholar in Residence. That is a program that is sponsored by the Fulbright. And our Scholar in Residence is Dr. Yamanku um, from Benin, as I mentioned. But we are also going to be using our IDEA grant to do more programming to that region of the world as well. So we're excited to have Dr. Yamanku here and our other guests that are supporting this process. As a Scholar in Residence, he is hosted in a department on campus. And the department that he's hosted in is the Department of History. And we are so fortunate to have the chair of the Department of History with us as well, Dr. Dave Messenger. But also, this is a cross-disciplinary um, process and project. So we were able to meet Dr. Yamanku through one of our profess professors of social work, uh, Ms. Kim Petway. And she will be joining us later on the show as well to kind of talk a little bit about um, how she met Dr. Yamanku and and, and helping us to bring him here to the University of South Alabama. That sounds wonderful. I'm so excited. 
yes and um, you know he will be here for a full academic year and so we also have his family members with us um, mm -hmm. in, in Mobile which is exciting um, they're not here with us today but um, he was able to come with his family so it's been amazing to have him and his wife Jakey and his daughter Ayala who is going to Davidson High School which is super cool because one of our um, previous hosts Nick Walton worked at Davis so we have Davidson so we have a very strong affinity for that school as well I hope that she's doing well there as well <laughs> well I can't wait to get to know more about um, Dr. G absolutely well I think that's it for our tea segment so I think we're ready to get into the show so everyone grab your cups and let's get started Well, everyone, we are so excited to start this conversation with our guests. And to start the conversation, we just want to better understand how this process got started of having a Fulbright Scholar in Residence on campus and having won an Ideas Award. And I'd like to start with the Scholar in Residence process. So, Professor Petway, I mentioned in our earlier intro segment that because of you, we were able to meet Dr. Yamanku. Can you tell us a little bit about how you met Dr. Yamanku and why you recommended him for a Fulbright Scholar in Residence? Sure. I guess a, a quick answer would be the ancestors, <laughs> because that's really <laughs> how profound it was. I uh, traveled to Ghana in 2017 for our study abroad that I offered to students there, and I decided to remain uh, a week after students left and to go into Benin to see if I could learn more about the Clotilda. Um, I did not know anything about Benin. I don't fr speak French, so <laughs> I was able to get a young man who, to interpret for me, and um, he traveled with me. I reached out to a Rasta elder that I knew uh, who connected me with another elder, Mirja, in Wida, Benin. Mm -hmm. And she sent me to Dr. Namaku. Wow. So there were two people that she said I absolutely needed to speak with. And we did speak with both, and both have been here. Now, you mentioned Clotilda. We have not mentioned Clotilda yet, and I'm not sure if all of our listeners are aware of Mobile's unique link to West Africa via the Clotilda. Can you give us a quick summary? Sure. Yes, I, uh, you know, being from Mobile, you hear of the rumors that there is a slave ship in the bay that was blown up many years ago. And so um, it's always been an interest of mine, but I didn't know much about it and I figure I'm in Ghana why not go over to Benin and see what I could find out and uh, we learned um, it confirmed that the Clotilda did leave the shores of Benin after uh, the transportation of slaves were outlawed and so this was a legal ship commissioned by the mayor family more specifically Timothy Mayor in Mobile Alabama who had a wage to bet that he could still get slaves over although it was illegal and so that's how we were able to get the 110 slaves that traveled uh, on the Clotilda to Mobile in 1960. I mean, 1860. So we also have on campus Dr. Kern Jackson, who's not, who hasn't joined us today, but um, the conversation that Professor Petway has brought up is also reflected in a film called Descendants that um, is on Netflix. And there was recently a community viewing of that film here in Mobile, Alabama at the Sanger Theater. And actually the idea grant, that grant specifically working with um, Dr. Jackson will be exploring that link a little bit more and having hopefully 
community and students be able to do study abroad to um, West Africa to better understand um, the culture and, and, and that history. Thank you so much for, for that insight, Professor Petway. Um, I'm going to go over to Dr. Messenger and just ask you, as the host of our Scholar-in-Residence, why did the History Department want to host a Scholar-in-Residence in the first place? Well, uh, we're, we're in the process in the History Department of re sort of rebuilding our, uh, our African-American history courses and our sort of offerings in African-American history. And naturally, a lot of students who are interested in African-American history get interested in African history, which, and we used to have someone who taught both. Um, and, and we haven't for a few years. So as we've recently hired someone in African-American history, the opportunity that Dr. Yamanku offered us to offer some classes in African history alongside was something we couldn't pass up. It was a great opportunity to, to pair uh, our rebirth sort of in African-American history with the interest in African history and, and provide students with the opportunity to study that. So he's going to be teaching two classes for us in spring 2023, one that deals with uh, African history since 1500 and one that deals with the African diaspora in Europe, which is an area of specialty of his. Um, so, so it was an opportunity we just couldn't pass up. For outside community members who may be listening to this show, you can actually participate in those courses, isn't that correct? Yes, yes, that's correct. Um, you can come in as an auditor. You don't even have to take it for credit. You can take it for credit if you want, but you can also sit in as an auditor and just uh, soak up the material and not have to worry about the grades. <laughs> <laughs> I will definitely encourage our listeners, um, if you are not a University of South Alabama student, but you find this topic of interest, to take advantage of the opportunity for our spring 2023 uh, courses that Dr. Yamaku will be teaching. And you can always um, contact the registrar's office to learn about how to enroll as a, as a guest student for that semester. But since we've been talking a lot about Dr. Yamanku, I would like to get to learn a little bit more about him. Sabrina, can you give us some questions to Dr. Yamanku so we can learn a little bit more about him? Absolutely. So, um, Dr. G, um, can you tell us uh, a little about your home country, Benin? Because I have never been to Africa. It's on my list. I'm going to go one day. But I'm sure our listeners would like to learn more about um, your home country as well. You know, I will say as everybody is that my country is a beautiful count, beautiful country, of course, and uh, we are located in West Africa, on the on the coast, Atlantic coast, and uh, Benin is uh, has uh, about 11 million inhabitants. We are the biggest country neighboring Benin is Nigeria. We have Togo, and on the, in the north we have uh, Niger and uh, Burkina Faso. And the population of Benin is very attached to its culture, you know. And though we pass on through uh, 60, 70 years of French colonial rule, because at the end of the 19th century, uh, after the Berlin Conference, you know, uh, France uh, attacked the Kingdom of Dahomey, and uh, after years of resistance, they conquered the country. So Benin became a French colony. That's why French is uh, the official language now. Mm. Though we speak of the, we have our national languages, but uh, 
still now we don't study our national language at school. So uh, uh, we have uh, uh, Benin has uh, uh, a very long, interesting history. The kingdom of Dahomey is one of the kingdoms uh, in the nowadays Benin country. We had also Ketu kingdoms, uh, Shave kingdoms, uh, the Hueda kingdoms on the coast, known as Hueda, Alada kingdom. Also in the north, we have the kingdom of Niki. And uh, uh, in Benin, we have, uh, if you look at encyclop encyclopedias, you will be said that we have 40 languages, but in reality, we have, <laughs> we have three family languages groups. Well, okay. Um, it sounds a beautiful place. I would love to go someday. Um, how was your transition? Like, I remember when I first moved here from China, the first year was exciting, but also challenging. How was that experience for you, moving here with your family? In fact, everything went smoothly. We didn't know how things will really happen. We had the chance to be in contact already with uh, Professor Petwe. Uh, so my wife used to ask her many questions and with my daughters to, uh, to, to check on the internet what the average temperature, temperature here and many things like that. We were anxious about her, uh, our young daughter's school because we wanted her to come with us. And uh, when we arrived, we were so well welcomed. Everybody did everything to make us very welcome. So we we are very happy to be here. We enjoyed. The climate is not so different from Benin. Mm -hmm. Though it's, uh, when we arrived, it was hot at the end of uh, August in September. Though we have seen some differences because it became a cold uh, suddenly last week, for instance. And uh, what else? We, we, we received a, a good lesson of hospitality also. Yes, yes. So and and I have to interject because as um, Dr. Yamanku has alluded to, the hospitality that was extended by the University of South Alabama community for a process that we were, was very new to us, we really didn't know what to do. Um, Professor Petway was instrumental in supporting them with their integration, especially getting their daughter into school. If anyone wants to do a scholar in residence program in the future, you absolutely must have someone who is really, really available a lot. Can you speak a little bit about that? Like how much yeah. time it took you to... <laughs> it is. It's funny uh, because I think we've since joked like, okay, what exactly is this process? <laughs> <laughs> and I, I think I called you one day, Dave, and I was like, okay, I don't know what I'm doing. Do you know what you're doing? <laughs> we have to. But it is. I mean, it is necessary even to the degree that if you are a full teaching faculty and you're going to assume the role of trying to uh, facilitate the activities of the scholar in residence that you even get try to get a little relief mm -hmm. because to add it on to the duties um, is certainly a lot of work not that it's not doable 
but I did not realize the magnitude and, and hindsight. There are times I wish I'm more available, and I know the only way that could happen is if maybe I had a course release or something. You know, I wasn't right. teaching as much. But also, it was a. It's been a pleasure for me. I'm not going to pretend like it hasn't been a lot of work. It really is. But for Dr. Namaku, like I just feel like this was ordained before we met. I mean, mm-hmm. just how we met, the fact that this has happened, he's here. Um, I, it was just really a, a responsibility that I uh, treasure, quite frankly. Yes. And so to be passionate about it, I think, you know, to really believe in it Absolutely. helps. Well, well, thank you so much for everything that you've done to help set up thing, um, to the history department for hosting and getting him set up. All of these processes, for anyone who's thinking of doing a scholar in residence process, let's just say that we are learning as we are yes. going, <laughs> but we are going through it. And I also must just give a special thanks to um, uh, Dr. Christine Rennie, who actually right. housed yes. the yes. family for their first month here while we got awesome. that set up. Yes, we are used to say with my wife and daughters that we have uh, we have been welcomed by two two Alabama families here, mm-hmm. uh, Professor Petway's family and Professor Christine Rain's family, yes. and we have even two grandmas here, you know, <laughs> 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 Professor Petway's mother and Professor uh, Rain's mother. Yes, yes. yes. Even yesterday, uh, my daughter had uh, her first uh, Halloween party with uh, her schoolmates, and uh, uh, her. Uh, her second grandma, Professor Christine uh, Rin Mother, mm-hmm. said, "You you 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 won't go back to your uh, apartment by by uh, taxi." She said, I will take you. So she went, she, she left uh, her home, and she went to take uh, everyone who has supported this process. And if I can just use um, an an African proverb, it takes a village. Yes, <laughs> it takes a village for sure. Um, Sabrina, did you have any more questions for Dr. Yamaku before we segue to the next section? Uh, yes, just maybe a couple more. But I'm so glad uh, you had a, such a welcome and a hospitality here at the South. And that's what I love about the Southern hospitality, the culture here. You just feel so welcomed here. And um, it's absolutely um, wonderful. So... I would love to get to know more about in the African community if there's any similarity between the culture of um, African tongue community here and that of um, the culture of uh, West African communities. Yes, yes. The first thing I've noticed is that the relationship to our ancestors that we have in West Africa is the same here. When I uh, I meet or I listen any uh, uh, African town descendant or any uh, other uh, um, an, another, any other person of African descent here, they always mention ancestors, and that's very important because you know uh, ancestors worship is uh, the basis of West African culture. In all families, we we have to honor our ancestors. So I'm very happy to to see that. This, this is essential part of our culture is still prevailing. Wonderful. So what do you hope to accomplish during your time here? Oh, I hope to be a link between uh, uh, Benin and Alabama, Benin and Mobile, Benin and Africa Town, the Africa Town community, because as you know, the Clotilda ship uh, transported Africans from Benin, from Wida, 
uh, at, uh, in the middle uh, of the 19th century. Until now, uh, there are still, uh, let's say, what I would like to, to, to know more or to understand more about is which kind of cultural traditions still remain, you know, in the life of the descendants of those Africans who, who were uh, forced to come here in 1860. And uh, uh, there are already some interesting things uh, I'm noticing. So um, I have my, how do you call it, uh, my notebook mm -hmm. in which, yes, I I, uh, I note uh, s some very curious uh, things, events which happen. And uh, as Professor Petway said in the beginning, it's a call of the ancestors because uh, there are so many surprising things happening. It is not simple, I don't know, coincidence. We say coincidence. Mm. Um, and uh, so... Um, Yesterday, for instance, the director of Mobile History Museum uh, were invited at one of the classes here at uh, Dr. Marsha Hamilton course, uh, class, and she told us about the uh, Africatown Heritage House they are building now. And it's a very nice project. There will be a part dedicated to, to West African origin of uh, the Clotida Africans. So. After our discussion, we 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 uh, we realized that uh, I could be a link uh, between Benin, West Africa, and this project because they have worked with many uh, United States uh, historians, specialized in Benin history, culture, spirituality, but they didn't work. They didn't have any direct link with Benin institutions, etc. So I'll right. I'll be that link. That's yes. wonderful. And um, also, to that's a great segue to link to the IDEA grant, the increase in diversified education abroad, because specifically what the IDEA grant will do is um, link um, the West African community, the communities that we've been talking about, not just Benin, but also just more broadly, we'll be looking at Benin, its neighbor Togo, also Cape Verde, Cabo Verde, and we will be looking at um, these cultures through um, through curriculum. So there will be a course um, that will be taught in the fall of 2023 um, that will be taught by um, Dr. Kern Jackson, and you know, if you are interested in also being a part of that course, um, where we will have some virtual um, components, um, some virtual dialogues, but it will also culminate in 2024 with a visit to these areas so that you can have feet on the ground and really see for yourself with your own eyes the differences and the similarities, and we're really looking forward and excited to that. And thanks also, Dr. Yamanku, for mentoring, um, mentioning Dr. Marsha Hamilton, who is also in the Department of History and serves as the um, advisor for Fulbright, and yes. so is a, another very um, integral part of, of this piece of, of getting you here and also um, supporting you while you're on campus and this overall process. So um, we're about to segue out, but before we do, I do want to pose the question that Sabrina asked to others who are here. So. Um, Dr. Messenger, once we are done with the scholar-in-residence process and we've had the courses, what lasting impact are you hoping to achieve? 
Um, I would like to to hope that uh, we would kind of uh, re, uh, Dr. Yamaku will rejuvenate student interest in Africa and give us the possibility of down the road hiring someone or bringing someone here more permanently to teach African history and offer that to our students. Um, and, it, and it's not going to happen right away, but if there's a desire and an interest in there, I think then we could make a, a, a strong pitch down the road that we would need to have someone permanently in African history. And that's an important area worth, worth teaching and covering for our students. So the courses in the spring would be the first kind of start of that. Yes. Absolutely. So please sign up for those courses. When, when will the course be available for people to uh, register? You can, it's re registration is open now. Okay. And carries for continuing students c continues until about the first week, end of the first week of November. So the, those courses are all, it's History 362 Africa since 1500 and History 390, uh, sorry, History 457 slash 557. Um, T special topics in European history, African diaspora in Europe. Thank you. And Professor Petway, we're going to end with you and ha let you have the last word. So, you know, from now until 2024, when the scholar in residence process and the ideas process are said and done, what do you hope to see come out of this? I really want us to to focus more on the African aspect of our history. And my goal in the development of IS290, which is the service learning course in Ghana, and traveling to Benin and meeting Dr. Namaku, was just to figure out a way how we can get more African Americans um, back to Africa, even to just visit to learn more about their culture. I, you know, I, our society has painted such a negative picture of Africa that I don't think just telling people is enough. So how can we, you know, build a process to get more students of color to Africa has been my goal mm -hmm. from day one, even with the development of the course Sagana. So with Dr. Namaku being here, that's, that's how I hope mm -hmm. to and will continue to use him right <laughs> i have a list of things that we're going to do he might not be know about it right yet. <laughs> well that's, that's what that was the ultimate goal to get more back and even speaking with the descendants i've been speaking with them lately about okay we have this one documentary let's do another when you make your voyage back mm -hmm. and i'm hoping that we could do that no that that is going to be fantastic and, and i'll say you know from my perspective at the office of international education and study abroad we're hoping to get more students overall, definitely, particularly African-American students, but all students will benefit from this history and this um, this knowledge and this awareness and visiting different cultures. And the IDEAS grant is also to um, have those opportunities for students to travel to these non-traditional destinations is also a goal. So we got your So thank you all for joining this conversation. This has been a very insightful dialogue. Are there any last questions or, or comments that you would like to make before we before we end, Sabrina? Well, I would just like to say thank you um, to our guests for um, coming today, for um, you know, uh, donating your time. And I would like to say to Dr. Jean that you're welcome here and we appreciate the contributions you are making to our community. Thank you. And thank you to all the institutions, organizations, services, departments, and the community organization who, who support my arrival here. Thank you to everybody. 
I wanted to add to you just in the students that I took to Ghana the first time and while the course was designed with African American students in mind um, one of the students a non-African American student wrote me a, a really long email after she visited and just spoke about it was very challenging for her, but how it was life altering. So I just want to echo your sentiments that these trips are can be so meaningful to all students. Hey, Dr. Messenger, yes. I would just like to say um, the connections between the Clotilda and West Africa are something we also have a big focus in the history department on local history and getting students to work in the community on local history projects. So it meshes very well with that, and, and that's something obviously we hope to continue to build on. Wonderful. Thank you so much, everyone, once again, for joining us. And once again, if you do have any um, interest in, in plugging into these programs, feel free to contact us. I'm at the University of South Alabama Office of Study Abroad, and we'll get you connected. Thanks for joining the show. Thank you. Thank you. So, Sabrina, what did you think about our conversation? What an idea to have an SIR. <laughs> wow, I thoroughly enjoyed it. It was so much uh, great information, and I've learned so much just from listening to um, Dr. Messenger, Professor Petaway, and Dr. Nyamanku on their insights. And yes. I just really feel like we should all try to learn as much as we can about other communities, about other cultures, and go abroad if you can, because it's absolutely eye-opening and life-changing. But even within our own community of Mobile, did you know much about Africatown before this conversation? I heard about it in my classes, in other uh, conversations, it kept coming up. but. I haven't um, got a chance to visit it yet. Yeah, tell us more about it. Like, um, wh what is it? Well, Africatown is an actual community. It's also called Plateau. And so I know some people think it's um, a tourist destination where you have to pay an entrance fee or something like that to to enter. But it's it's a community, and they are building um, a center. The, the Africatown um, Heritage Foundation is building a center there as well, which eventually you will be able to you know, um, go in as a, as a tourist destination to be able to learn more about the history. But I think it is one of those um, less known and less traveled um, destinations right here in Mobile, Alabama, that we can all, you know, just go off the freeway and make that exit. Um, there's even a, a sign, right? I, right on the <laughs> I saw that yes. sign. It's on my list. Yes, it's on the list. I'm okay. going to take it off on my list. Okay, it sounds good. But, you know, I, I do want to encourage um, those who were listening to the show today to get plugged into to what's happening here. The ideas increase diversified education abroad um, grant um, that the University of South Alabama received is a two-year process, so it starts now and then it will end in 2024. And by the summer of 2024, um, we do want to have community and students be able to travel to really, like we mentioned in the show, be able to see for themselves the similarities and differences between Mobile um, and, and these communities in West Africa. But 
before then there's going to be a number of events starting in the spring semester um, around you know the MLK days commemorations and celebrations there's going to be some um, community education events that will explore these topics and we hope that you will come to those events there'll be some virtual some in person there's also the courses that Dr. Messenger mentioned that you can plug into as well and then next fall there's going to be um, a full semester long course that Dr. Um, Kern Jackson is going to be leading um, that's going to be infusing some of these topics as well so it's a lot of information. If you want to contact the Office of International Education and Study Abroad, please um, email us at intledu at southalabama.edu. Once again, you can email us at intledu at southalabama.edu, and we can get you plugged in. Great. So many great opportunities. I'm looking forward to it. All right. Well, thanks, everyone, for joining. And and you at our next brew.